is the Infinity Summit Group. Truth. Passion. Success. and welcome to another Infinity Summit Group podcast. Today is July 26th, 2021. Um, we'll jump right into it. I'm Noah. Xavier. Logan. Jesse. And uh, we got a special guest on today. You want to introduce yourself, say something about yourself? I am Mo and I'm currently a card and coin dealer and I deal in collectibles and things like that and I'm excited to get into this podcast and see how it goes. So Hell yeah. Hell yeah thank yeah. you for coming. That's yeah, kind of why we had you on. We uh I mean, we've dealt a little bit with, like, silver and gold, but we haven't dealt with any collectible coins or anything. So we're curious, like, what the heck got you into collectibles? So it's, uh, you know, it's actually funny. I don't know what got me into it because if I think back, this is just like a story of my childhood. But when I was just a kid, I would actually go into the bathroom and... I would grab like all the band-aids out of my mom. I mean, it, it meant nothing, but I was just a little kid. I was probably like five or so. And I would just grab all the band-aids out and like bring them into my dresser drawer. You know what I mean? Cause I thought that they were cool. And I think back to that. And I think that that actually is a big, I don't think it was cause there's moments like when I was older, when I got into actually coins, right. And then there was a financial benefit from doing it, but it was way before that. I always liked like, this is weird to talk about, actually, but I always just loved, like, secret shit. Like, if you had, like, a secret room in a house, you know what I mean? And you, like, open it up and there's, like – but I liked it where, like, you had the secret room that was hidden. You'd open the secret room, go in there, and, like, in the secret room, there was, like, a bookshelf in the secret room where you'd pull that. And then there's, like, another secret room in the secret – like, some national treasure <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like oh, I, yeah. I always just love that. So I think that has something to do with it that it's, like, the – it's like the treasure hunt of it. You know what I mean? So you're out there and like, I think it's super cool that these coins and cards or whatever are just sitting in boxes or sitting in people's pockets and they don't know what they have. But if you get educated on it, then you can go find it. You know what I mean? So I guess if I were to talk about what got me into it, when I was in high school, I used to, I would just get on YouTube and search like ways to make money, you know, scrap metal. Like I started with that and just started a few different things, but what I ended up finding out was that the copper pennies, um, if they're 1981 and before and some 1982s, they were made with like 90% copper, mm-hmm. whereas 19, you know, some 1982s and the 1983 and after they were mostly zinc. And so it's the same thing that happened with the silver. Like everybody, when they, when they transitioned from the silver in the coins to the clad, which is your copper nickel or whatever, which is all the quarters and dimes and things like that. They told the people not to hoard the silver because they didn't want people to hoard the silver. They wanted it in circulation, but they said that the silver wouldn't be worth anything in the future. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But obviously the people that held the silver benefited from that because it obviously is worth way more now. So anyway, I figured out that with copper, but to me it was a no-brainer because if I could go to the bank and get $25 box of copper or you know of pennies and then just sort them all for the copper pennies and then the zinc pennies and put them in a different pile – then, you know, maybe it's not worth it right now because they're worth two cents, but, you know, maybe in the future if they're worth four cents or whatever, or you could melt them down. So to me, it was a no-brainer. Like, everyone's trying in the stock market to get 20% on their return, you know? But I was thinking about it, like, if you can double your money off of... I mean, if it cost me one cent to get the penny and the penny's worth two cents of copper, then it's a no-brainer to me, you know? And so I started looking into that, and people will have, like, these giant hoppers, 
and they'll take they'll go to the banks and things like that and get tons of boxes of pennies they'll dump them into these machines and then they'll sort them and then they'll take all these copper pennies and they'll either hoard them i'm sure there's people with massive hoards across the nation or they'll just sell them on ebay so you could get like a hundred dollars face of these copper pennies but you could sell it for one you can sell it for 200 because who's ever buying it probably is melting it down or whatever they're doing so you could sell it for like 150 and then you just have to figure out how to ship it right so I started, that's actually how I started into coins is I bought a little penny sorter thing and I didn't have it set up. It was like a little hopper that was like a four inch by five inch and it would, you'd, you'd put a copper penny in it and then it would test that metal and then you'd just drop pennies in it, you know, one at a time and then it would just test the one that you had put in there and then if the other one registered as the same magnetism or whatever, then it would kick it left if it was copper and it would kick it right if it was zinc, you know? This, this is some crazy stuff. This is back yeah. when I was in high school, but I just took – I didn't have a good setup, so I took, like, two plastic cups that were the same size, and then I just put the little machine on top of them, and then i just start going crazy and get a $25 box from the bank and then just start dropping them in, and then it would sort them, and then I'd dump – you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I never really got that far with that. I mean, I, I did it a few times, but I never got, like, a hoard of copper pennies. I just have maybe a 1,000 of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And – um, so I think I was always interested in collectibles first off, like I said, when I was a kid. And then, um, then it started getting more serious when I found out you can make money in it. And then what's funny is my mom's best friend is Kathleen and her son is Chris Tisdale. And he was into coins and I heard that he was like making money, like getting these coins out of circulation or whatever and grading them and selling them for like a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars, things like that, you know? And he had a family and stuff, so I'm like, okay, obviously if he's doing it, then it's possible. And this at this time, I was working at Village Capital being a loan processor, mm-hmm. and it was good work. I just didn't – it wasn't for me. I didn't really love it that much, so I was getting bummed out there. So I I basically – what's funny is I worked at a snow shack, and Shane and Kathleen owned that, so I knew them. So I went camping or hunting with Shane Whiting – which is Chris Tisdale's father-in-law. Long story short, we, me and Chris met there at the camp out, and I asked him, I was like, hey, maybe one day, you know, if it's cool with you, maybe you could teach me how to do coins or whatever. But I was just probably in high school, like a bucket kid, maybe 11th grade or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool, whatever. Well, then when I was in Village, I got his number from my mom and texted him and said, like, hey, would you be interested in showing me what you know and stuff? And then it just worked out that he needed a guy and he needed help because he was getting at that because he'd been doing it for like five or six years. The first three years, he was just learning the ropes, you know, because it's something new. It's not like someone's mm-hmm. out there teaching people. It's not like you can learn this stuff really online because most people that are in coins are older people. And that's a funny thing that there's probably a huge opportunity coming for whoever is a young person that knows social media and how to market and things and like creates a huge brand. Basically, what I'm trying to say is right now, the card market is on fire like insane like if you guys knew what was going on it would blow your mind and coins is still yeah it's <laughs> literally i'm not joking like every two months the the world record for the highest paid card forever just gets broke by another card you know because it's it's just been marketed correctly and you have the right influencers at the top and stuff but anyway that's how i got into it pretty crazy that's insane yeah yeah so you you don't only deal in coins then no coins and cards pretty much and I, I mean, I started this when I was with Chris at 18, I think I was, I think I was just about to turn 19 and 
So I was pretty young, and I've been doing coins since then, and on and off because I worked at Popular doing the cabinets, and I did New Era Solar, and like I've been doing other mm-hmm. jobs too. Uh, but I've been doing coins mostly, and then cards I got into probably of like May last year is when I started going to the stores and looking for card boxes and buying some and just experimenting, get my feet wet. And then August of last year is when I like really dove in and put a lot of money in and, you know, just try to figure it out. But Is that the only thing you're doing right now? That's it, yeah. Dang, so yeah. It, it's sustainable enough to like yeah. keep you afloat. Yep. Yeah, I quit my job at Popular Cabinets, which was a really good job, but I sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I quit that job not this January, but the January before. So for over a year and a half, I've been doing that full time, you know. Heck yeah. But How easy would you say is it to get into that? I think it's not that easy <laughs> it's not that i mean easy. i don't i think if if i wouldn't have worked for chris and he showed me the ropes for a year i think i would have failed i'll be honest but he is 36 you know when he was succeeding in his 30s and i i think that matters a lot now because maybe if i got into coins when i was 32 maybe i'd be successful you know because i would have all the experience of all the other things i've tried but i think it's niche very okay Coins and cards are two different topics, though. Coins is very niche. is not that much demand right now as far as, like, comparing it to collectibles, coins, or cards and things like that. But if you find a lane, then it can be very profitable because it is so – there's not that much attention on it, so there's a lot less competition. You know what I mean? So if you find, like, a lane and you find a certain variety of a coin and you go out and find a whole bunch of them – like, I know Chris, he found – a Kennedy half dollar, he found a certain variety on it. And this is kind of just a story, but it was uh, the highest. So the, the grade goes to 70 on a coin, right? Like z- one to 70. 70 is a perfect coin. One is you can barely read the date if like at all. So he found a variety on a 1964 Kennedy D, which is a Denver Mint mark. And the highest grade was an AU58 of that coin. So he went and found a whole bunch of them and then he knows how to grade coins because he'd been doing it. So he picked out the 63, the one that actually what he did, which is even smarter, he sent all the coins in and got them all graded, but didn't have the variety put on the holder, right? Mm -hmm. So he got them all graded and then one by one, like he took the 63 and had that variety attributed to the holder. So the, the grade was on it. And now it was the new top pop. It was the highest grade with that variety of that coin. So he sold that one. And then like three months later, because it was like, that was the MS-63, you know, the grade. Mm-hmm. And then like three months later, he's like, okay, I'm going to take this. Six- They're already all graded. They just don't have the variety on it. And he has them. And then he takes the 64 and he gets that one variety attributed. And now it's the new top pop. So you get the people that are playing <laughs> with their registry sets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so he just did that like three, four, five, and six or something like that. And you end up making like 10 grand just off those four coins because they were the top pops, you know? But I'm just saying, basically what I'm saying is there's a lot less attention there, but there's a lot of opportunity if you know what to look for, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas cards is completely different. I think um, anybody could get into cards. The only thing that's scary about cards is there's so much attention right now on it that it's scary that it's inflated. You know what I mean? So coins is harder to get in, but if you get in, you're in. I feel like, whereas with cards, I can get in, and I'm in right now, but in a year, I could just lose it all. Because if you 
it's really actually very good for me to see because it makes you have to do smarter investments. Whereas with coins, I didn't have to do because with the cards, if you buy a card at 50 bucks and you're right on the player, but you're wrong on the market, you still lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can buy the player and he can be an all-star, but if you bought the wrong card or a card that was overproduced where there's no value long-term in it, then you still lose. And especially if the card market collapses, you know, and goes down to 20% of what it is today, you lose, you know? So that has been so good for me to see is with coins. I never had to read markets and things like that and attention, but with cards, I've had to pay more attention to where people's attention is, you know, and it gets you better at pattern recognition of, and now I see it everywhere with everything. It's like, it's crazy. I wish I had an example off the top of my head, but just people's, I guess an example of it would be like songs from early 2000s. You just, they're not on the radio. They don't exist anymore, pretty much. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. you're like a song enthusiast, you don't really hear those ones as much. Like the top 100 is where all the attention is of the world. And then you got the 30% or whatever, 10% listening to other things. But like 80, 90% of the people are just top 100, top 100. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's the same thing everywhere and everything. It's like what they, yeah, it's crazy. What's trending basically. Whatever's trending is where everyone's eyes are. I didn't realize that. Like when a video goes viral, everyone sees the video. Almost everyone in the whole nation sees it. That's what blows my mind. There's the old people who don't see it, that don't have internet. But like we all, like if you were to. You know, like, damn Daniel, the white vans. I don't know yeah, if you guys yeah, have all yeah, seen it. You've yeah. all seen it. Like, we've all seen it. It's yeah. just weird. You don't realize. You think, oh, my friend group knows about it, whatever. It's like, no, every single person in the nation knows what that video is, you know? Oh, yeah. That's just crazy. I think that's called a Pareto distribution, isn't it? Something it, like that. Yeah, that basically, is. basically, uh, 1% of the videos get 99% of the views yep. or whatever. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Wild. So how do you actually go about finding the coins? So with the coins, it's just I just do what Chris taught me, which is I, I look for a certain year, which is 1950 to 1970, mm-hmm. and there's things called proof sets. And it's actually the same with, like, Pokemon cards or coins or anything. So back in the day, what, what actually happened is the – I can't remember the full story, but I think how it went was in the very beginning, the mint would make really nice coins first off as like design pieces, right? Of what the coin was going to look like, but they'd make them like shinier and things because they were like the show pieces to what the coins would look like. So they started doing that. And then I think it was like 1932 or something, they started creating proof sets, which was they were going to make a half dollar, a quarter a dime, a nickel, a penny, and a dollar coin, you know? They were going to make those, and they were going to mass produce them. But what they did was they'd make a package with just those five coins, and they'd polish the dies and things like that before they made those so that they were nicer than the other ones that entered circulation. So they would make all those, put them in a package, and then sell those to collectors. Collectors would buy them, and then they would just mass produce the rest. So Basically, they started creating proof sets, and then I looked for those proof sets from 1950 to 1970. And then you have to to open the proof sets if they're sealed or whatever, look for the coins. And this is where the skill comes in, which is you have to be able to grade coins or you'll lose. Because if you can't look at the coins, because it costs $30 a coin to grade it, right? 
that's a lot of money. Like every single coin that you send in is $30 a grade. And it's like, it doesn't seem like that much, but not all the coins are a thousand, 2000, 5,000. And if they are, you're paying up front for that, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a real rare coin and you're trying to, you know what I mean? So you got to be able to search through the proof sets, find the ones that you think will get high grade and then crack those out, cut them out, conserve them, which is clean them and then send them to get graded. So right. it's just like it literally is the exact same thing as if you were to do it with Pokemon cards or whatever, right? If you want to pull all the Pikachus out and you get 20 of them, well, you might only send four of them. That's where the skill is. It's not finding them as so much as it is you need to know which ones to send and which ones not to send. Because you can't but, send all of them because that would be too expensive. If you send yeah. 20, Pika, like if you're going to make $100 per Pikachu card and you have 20 of them and, you, you know, if you make $100 per one that grades 10, like with a modern card, then you only want to send four if they're all 10s and only those 10s because then you make $400. If you send all 20 of them and it's $30 a card, you spent 600 bucks to grade all 20. You, you sell them for, you know, you sell the other ones still. Be, you, know, you know what I mean? But yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, you lose. You like you end up breaking even. You can't pay your bills, you know. Yeah. It don't work. So down, that's a lot more tricky than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a skill for sure, hundred percent. What's your uh, what's your highest profit margin on a coin that you've made thus far, or a card, or both? Uh, a coin, hundred percent. It was insane. <clears throat> this is the coolest thing. So I I don't know what I paid for it. That's the worst part. But I know what these proof sets run, and I know I didn't. I buy them in these proof sets. I wish that I was better at tracking it all, but I'm I'm absolutely terrible at doing that. And like. I notice if I track it all, I feel like I do worse. But call me call me crazy. But anyway, like Chris never tracked that, and I was like, well, I'm gonna track it. But I I would say that I paid under 500 bucks for this coin because it's a 1951 Franklin, and they're usually like 300. But I'll just overdo it. And like maybe I paid 500 for it, but it graded a 68 Cameo, which is an insane coin. You guys don't really probably know grading, but I thought it was a 67 Ultra Cameo, which means it's like super frosty coin. But it graded 68 Cameo. So it went up on the numerical grade from a 7 to an 8. But they only graded it Cameo instead of Ultra Cameo, which I'd have to explain all that to you guys. Mm-hmm. So it was a 8 on the holder, but the coin looked like a deep cam. So whoever bought it thought, you know, maybe thought it, they could regrade it and get an 8 Ultra Cameo, you know, which is like a $50,000 coin or 40000 or something crazy. But it sold for 18000 at auction, so... That was crazy, oh, yeah. Dang. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Do you ever go to yard sales and whatnot for cards and coins? <laughs> um, I'm just barely about to get back in the yard sales. I'm not even joking. I'm going to Flaming Gorge this weekend, and then after that, I was telling my wife that I'm going to get into yard sales because, actually, it's because of Gary V. Like, I just see him doing <laughs> it, and he's, like, making hella money, you know? So I'm like, might as well I have the time. So, But I don't use – I don't, and these – Proof sets are pretty rare. Like I went to an estate sale once in Utah that had coins for sale. And I went there and they only had a little bit of the niche that I'm in with the coins that I'm in. Because most people are into like Morgan Silver Dollars that collect or Peace Dollars or Silver Eagles. Like you guys probably haven't heard the word Franklin Proof. And that's the problem, you know. Yeah. The tension's not there. So it's super niche You probably won't find it at a garage sale, you know. Probably if people are collecting those coins, they know what they're worth, probably. Probably, yeah. exactly. Maybe, maybe the dad passes away and the son gets them. But, I mean, with eBay and Google nowadays, it doesn't take long to figure out what you have, you know? That's true. So, yeah. 
Okay. So how do you – we'll talk a little bit of numbers here. Uh-huh. Um, what's the what's the approximate range you can make uh-huh. uh, monthly? Like do you make – I mean you make good enough income to support yourself and yep. your family. Yep. Um, do you make like a – over a hundred k a year, you make less than that. I made fifty nine thousand last year, but when I was working with Chris, he was making a lot more than that. Yeah. So, I you could easily you can make two hundred thousand a year, three hundred thousand a year doing it. Yeah, hundred percent. I know that. I know like guys back east like Bjorn. He's a big. He owns a coin shop. In fact, uh, a guy here locally, he he's making pretty good money. I I don't know how much, but hundreds of thousands a year. But he owns a coin shop. You know, so. If you get the whole coin shop going and and do all the the bells and whistles you can get up there i think i could have made a lot more last year because i got into cards in august and like when i did my taxes at the end of the year i think this is fine to say but like i spent thirty thousand dollars on cards in august of last year which basic because i wanted to i'm very glad I, I wouldn't change it if i went back because it taught me a whole new thing and now if coins were ever to fall short or card like i know two things now but if I would have just taken that 30 grand, because I'm a lot smarter with coins, I know what to look for, what to buy, then I could have kept it growing. Yeah. But I took it and invested it in the cards. And anyway, so I think if I wouldn't have done that and just kept on track, maybe I would have made 70, 80. You know what I mean? So you can make really good money. You can make sustainable money. Um, and you can work it. Or you could probably get half a million more. I don't know. I don't know where the limit is. Do you want to start a coin shop? The thing is, Chris was so against him, and he trained me in on like everything, and so I don't because we were we actually he took me to a place that made like silver bullion just to see how these coins were made and polished and everything, and we were with a guy that was there, and he owned a coin shop, and told us the story where some guy came in. I'm trying to remember the story as years ago, but basically this guy comes in, way cool guy way friendly, um, gets in with them, talking to him. He's like, and the guy's like, hey, do you have anything of this particular coin? And the guy goes in the back to open his safe to get the type of coin that he wants. And he hears, you stupid son of a bitch, from behind him. And he turns around, and the guy has a pistol and shoots him in the head. And the bullet went in through his forehead, around the side of his head. It, like, rolled his skull. It didn't mm-hmm. go through the skull, rode the side, and then blew out, like, above his ear. And so, like, he laid there. He knew what happened. He knew he got shot. So he laid there and played dead. The dude stole everything, left, and then he got up, called the cops or whatever. And because he lived, he, they ended up finding him. But that dude, if I remember the story right, that dude was, like, a serial killer, rape, or uh, not rape, a serial killer <laughs> thief of uh, coin shops and would go in and like kill the owners and he had done it like the two other people back east or some shit and then he would steal all their silver. So uh, it's tough. Like if I were to run a coin shop, it wouldn't be all fun and dandy like how I'd want it to be in like a dream world where it's like kids can come in and look. It would be yeah. more like how Monarch runs it up north yep. where it's like glass walls everyone's carrying a pistol you know what i mean yep. cage to come in so and i just don't really know if i care to do that and i don't really care to run a nine to five where someone has to be there all the time and you know what i mean i don't know it's just not for me it, it would be a lot of work to be a business owner doing that oh yeah um do you have you created a business around this like do you have like an llc I or do, anything yep. around it oh, yep. okay yeah 
It's uh well, it's funny. I started a business for marketing and sales with uh, it was called Valley Internet Ventures, mm-hmm. and we started it actually in the very beginning. We started it because we wanted to create a business where we'd go to companies and then market for them on social media and stuff like that. Because yeah. my buddy Job, Job Kelch, you guys yeah. know him. He bought a Ty Lopez. This is funny to say now, but he bought a Ty Lopez like um, subscription where he paid for it and he taught you how to do it. So we wanted to use that, learn it, and then get good at it and then go to business. So, so we start Valley Internet Ventures. This was a while ago, and then I went out to New Era to do the door-to-door sales for solar. And so I actually just used that business name for that. And then I came back, and the tax lady that, the you know, the uh, accountant that does my taxes, she said, well, since it's still sales and marketing with coins and things like that, you could still use the same business for this, you know? So, yeah, I do have a business, and I just do it all like that. So Heck yeah. How do you go about cleaning the coins? Like, do you do it yourself, or do you send it somewhere? So that's a whole... That's a freaking um, drama fest on on uh, the internet. I'll probably get slashed by. Because here's the thing. So with coins, they say don't clean your coins. I don't know. If, if you have a collection and you look up anything online, the, the very first thing you're going to find is like don't clean them. You know? Because what happens is people get really rare coins from their grandfathers and stuff. And then they take, oh, they're like, oh, they're rusty or they have toning on them. Which is toning is basically, I can't remember. It's a chemical oxidation or whatever of silver when it turns mm-hmm. into different colors and things like that so people try to get that off take soap and a rag and they rub it if you do that to a coin it no longer will straight grade so it can't it will never it will never like if the coin was a ms62 mint state 62 that was the grade of the coin but you cleaned it they would put on the holder cleaned coin it doesn't get a, a number anymore it's a ruined coin right so i'm just saying that prefacing at first so that people don't think that I'm crazy because they go nuts off that stuff. But anyway, if you take the Franklin proofs and there's a chemical called MS70 or E-Zest, I don't really use E-Zest, but it's a silver cleaner. And you take a Q-tip, you can take the Franklin proofs and then you just literally dip the Q-tip in MS70 and then rub it on it. And it works with like all silver clad, whatever, you know what I mean? Hmm. So, and the funny thing is about that is uh, like, I've gotten into arguments with people on Facebook and stuff. They're like, don't clean. I'm like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, you know? But um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, you can send them to get conserved by the grading companies and they just do the exact same thing. You know what I mean? So people will pay $20 a coin, $15 a coin to send them into the grading companies for them to conserve them when they're just cleaning them. But anyway, that's a side note. So if the grading company can't tell that it's been cleaned, then they can grade it as if it were mint or, or yeah, a nicer grade. Exactly. They don't even care if it's cleaned. They only care if you clean it with a rag and there's scratch marks and shit on it. They don't like – because there's – like if you go into any coin shop, there's MS70 and E-Zest in them, which mm-hmm. is for cleaning coins. Everyone's doing it. They pro- PCGS probably sells cleaner on their damn website. You know, They just don't want you to do it the wrong way because you can ruin them. If I were to take a Franklin proof and take a rag and rub it, it would scratch the shit out of it. You know, they're like Mm. super delicate, polished coins. You put a, literally, if you, like, I, if you drop the thing, it's going to, it can bend it. it, You know what I mean? Like you can put Mm -hmm. a bend in the corner. If you touched it with your fingernail, you'd ruin it. So So you wear gloves and everything? 
I don't. I just grab oh. them by the edges, yeah. I have a little tool that, like, holds them, so I just use that. Gloves is a smart idea, but you can't, like, I drop the coins ten times more with gloves, mm-hmm. and I'd rather put a fingerprint on a coin because I can wash it off. Um, like, you can ruin them with fingerprints, too, because if you grab the coin and there's, like, a little sand or something on it, it's going to scratch it, but... It, it seems to work out pretty well. And if I have gloves on, I'm dropping them and dropping them in the sink and everything. It's a shit show, so okay. it ain't worth it. So yeah. uh, you do you do coins and cards. Is yep. there any other um, financial ventures you've taken on or that you want to take on? Mm. Not right now. There has been, you know what's crazy? Like, I, I would be, I'm not even joking. I could be rich right now if I wasn't afraid back in 11th grade because... I was watching those YouTube videos. This is when I was doing all the uh, copper coins and pennies and things like that. And I started watching these videos of people online buying from Chinese websites and selling the product in America. It's just a markup, right? It wasn't called drop shipping back then. It was just you buy that shit cheap and sell it here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so at least that's that's what I thought. I was like 18, 17 doing it. So I was like, I don't know if this is real. This seems fake because of how cheap the products were and they were branded. They had the brand right on them. It was like, so life proof iPhone cases. This was yeah. back before everyone. And there was a million different cases and things. There was probably like five companies making these cases cause it was newer iPhones and things. And so the life proof case was like insane cause it was waterproof, dirt proof, snow proof. Like it was a few things. I can't remember. There was four things. And so I found them on this website called DH gate, which is still, you can still do stuff like this. It's a Chinese website and they were $8 a piece, but at Walmart, they were $70 and on eBay, they were like 60 bucks. So I'm like, this seems like a no brainer to me. It has the life proof logo on it, you know? So I bought 35 of them. They all came and I was afraid and young and didn't really know. And like, I didn't really tell my parents and stuff. I just didn't have that type of relationship really so i just kind of like did this shit on my own so i listed them on ebay i remember being in this is crazy mr garlic's class in 11th grade it was like history or something and i had like created the listing but i hadn't made it live yet and so i was sitting there i'm like fuck yeah i'm just gonna do it and see what happens so i list them i'm not joking like four of them selling that one class you know (laughs) and so but i only listed like eight of them because i didn't know how they were gonna do i didn't want to list 35 and let people know like i'd hoard of them i'm like maybe if i list like eight then people just think, I don't know. I, I just, so they all sell like as fast as I can list them, they're selling. I'm, I'm selling them. I don't know if I said this, but they were selling for like 60. I was afraid to list them that high. Cause I don't know if I had fake product or something. So I list them at 34 99 and I bought them for eight. So I was like, if it is a crappy product, at least the person didn't pay 60 or 70 bucks for it. And I can probably refund them and everything. Right. Yeah. So this is insane to think back to the shit. So I sell them all. And this is just to give you an idea of like how fucking dumb I was at this stuff. (laughs) I literally, I sold this guy one of them and he messages me back and he's like, that didn't arrive, you know? He's like, I didn't even see it. And And I was like, I was so afraid of this happening back then. I was so afraid anything would go wrong. So that went wrong. I'm, I'm panicking. I'm like, Oh hell no. So he, this is how I did it. I'm like, okay, I'll refund your money. I'll just send you the money. So I literally, like, I'm sure back then even you could probably just have refund them through eBay, you know, but mm-hmm. I knew nothing. So I found his actual address. I'm sure it arrived anyway. And he was just trying to get a second one or something. I don't know. So I had no feedback on eBay and didn't know what I was doing. I don't know. 
but I literally went to the um, post office and like got a, a white envelope and just put like cash in it <laughs> and like put, I think if I remember right I put like cardboard on the edges so people couldn't see it was cash and then I just mailed it you know but it's just crazy to think back because nowadays obviously it happens all the time refunds and things no big deal but I was just so afraid of it and long story short what happened to that is I ended up just I it worked out I made good money hundreds of dollars on it and I just I did it with Solomon shoes which were like hiking shoes because you could buy them for mm -hmm. like 20 and they'd sell for they were like 150 but I was selling them for like 80, you know what I mean? So there was mm -hmm. good profit. But I stopped because I was like, I don't know if this is illegal, what I'm doing. Deadass. I was like, I don't know if I'm getting illegal product. And like, I was weird kid. So I thought that like the FBI was going to knock on my door. And I'm dead ass. I was like, I don't want the cops. Like, you're that guy that's selling all that illegal shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I stopped doing it. And it's just funny to look at that now because it was... It was just it was just because I was curious and like everyone else, it's the same thing. It's that placebo or whatever the Plato's law or whatever, where like oh yeah, uh, Pareto. Pareto Pareto distribution. Okay, it's yeah. like everyone was just doing this this over here, whatever they were doing back there. I don't even know. And I was over here on YouTube, naive and young, and so I just found this just through curiosity. When when now, if you look up drop shipping and stuff, it's like huge. It's and everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere, and it's not even. It's like died down now. Like two years ago, I feel like is when it oh, got yeah. huge and everyone mm -hmm. was hearing about it and there was like everyone trying to teach you. But just think, I'm twenty, going to be 25 soon. And I started that when I was in high school, 17 maybe. And like it didn't really get big until I was 21, 22. So I could have had four years of just literally just – and it was so – it was like buy, it came, and it sold instantly because no one else was doing it. So there was no competition. There wasn't anyone else on eBay selling those life proof for 40 because they were doing the same thing. It was like, I was the only one doing it. I, that's how I remember. They sold instantly as I listed them, you know, mm -hmm. but that taught me that like when you find an opportunity like that, you go all in, you know, cause it might not happen again. Yeah. So anyway, have you ever thought about getting back into drop shipping? I thought about it, and when we were watching those Ty Lopez videos and stuff, we were talking about that, but it's just it is competitive now. And, like, you, any product that you search on DHgate, for the most part, if you search it on eBay, you can see who's just – because they just copy their images on DHgate and just post it on eBay, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can see who's doing that, and they, it's crazy how capitalism works that fast. It fills that shit quick. It don't sit free money like that long, so – now, not only do they drop ship, but the companies are even above that level where they buy this pocket knife from Alibaba and then they send it. It ships to one of their warehouses where at their warehouse, it gets a stamp with their American logo on it, but it's a Chinese product. And then they sell it to the customer or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So it's not even – it's like the competition raised it up a whole nother level where it's like you can't just drop ship anymore. You need to – Get the product, put your stamp on it so you, you can make it look like it's not a Chinese product and then sell that. And that's where there's money right now, probably if you knew all that. But it's like I don't know anything about it. And I don't care to take the time to learn it, you know. So basically it would be finding the next, you know, the next opportunity that nobody knows about. Literally, It's yeah. kind of the goal. Yep. Yeah, or just get really, really good at one thing, which yeah. seems like the better at this point. I'm like, okay, that – that's why when you said, is there anything you're interested in getting my hands into? It's like, I'm interested in everything where there's money. You know, I'm like, I want that, I want that. But 
I did that for like five years and got nowhere because it's always this, then this, and you're getting pulled, you know. So I'd rather just turn off the damn, turn, put the blinders on and just cards, coins, and just go deep, you know, for like 10, 20 years. And maybe real estate, uh, that's what I'm interested in is like if I start making m- good money, then where do I put the money? You know, you can re- keep putting it back in, but it would be cool to have like uh, a house or something to buy that grows that way out. Yeah. Anyway. Heck yeah. Get some appreciation on it. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, We use, uh, for a lot of our excess money, I don't know if you've listened to any of our other podcasts. We mention it all the time. Yeah. I Um, listen to one of them. Okay. Perfect. Um, We we always mention that we have a mutual whole life insurance policies that we store a lot of value in. Uh And that's where our opportunity funds come from. Okay. Yeah. So... um, if you're interested, we know a guy. Okay. <laughs> Basically yeah. saying that you're putting your excess money in there and it's liquid, liquidable, I guess. Yeah, so very you liquid. Can pu- you can get a you can get a check within a couple of days. Okay. Um, from them, and essentially, what it is, you build a cash value. Uh-huh. As that cash value grows, so does your death benefit. So uh-huh. it'll also benefit your children or your wife or whatever. Yep. And then um, you get about four percent interest plus dividends on the cash value. Yep. And Jeez. Then, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then um, they, whenever you want access to the money, uh-huh. you can take a loan out against it for about 5% um, and use that money while your cash value can still grow. Nice. Um, and that's what you use for opportunities to pay it back. Right on. That's yeah. cool. Thank you. Yeah. I need something like that for sure. So we'll have to see about that. Yeah. yeah it's uh, it's comparable to like a Roth IRA, but okay. you're, but you have more access liquid. to it. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Yep. Um, and then obviously if you cancel it, then you get all the cash value, but then you kill your death benefit. But yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Cool. That makes sense. That's awesome. Oh yeah. So what's next for you? What's the next <laughs> big adventure now that you've, at least you're conquering the cards and coins. <laughs> I don't know about that. Dude. I don't know. But, um, so here's where I'm at, honestly. So I got into cards last year, spent a ton of money, lost a lot of money and understandable. Me yeah. Too. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean I I don't know how much I lost because I don't track things. But I know I lost money instead of – especially instead of growing it, it definitely went down. So I learned a lot of things and right now I'm in a weird position. I'm in a very weird position right now, which I haven't said this like to anyone besides my wife really and like Locke and stuff. But basically what I found out about the card market is I don't really have enough money – I'm not rich yet, so I don't have enough money to play the safe but lower profit margin game. I have to play high risk, high reward kind of, right? And like mm. that's how I that's how I see it. So I could do what Chris did in cards and just like buy a whole bunch of sealed boxes of product and it just kind of goes up over time because it gets more and more rare, more and more people open those boxes and then you're still searching for those like Michael Jordan rookies and stuff in the boxes so people will pay more for it, right? So I realize I can't really do that. I don't have enough money because, I mean, let's say it goes up 50% in a year and like I put 20 grand and then after one year I have 30 grand, which if I was working a full-time job and then it was doing that on the side and so I didn't need that money, it doesn't matter. But since I'm living my life and operating off the money, I can't have that, right? I have to use, I have to get the money out so what I have been doing, which is kind of contradictory to what I'm about to say, but anyway, what I found out is my best way is to kind of get lucky, but also be super 
um, hopefully correct on what I buy and who I buy. So I did a bunch of research about like all of the quarterbacks of last year, the quarterbacks of this year, the quarterbacks of the years before, their grades, how many population report and everything. And I was just going to say, like, I went all, I'm all in right now on a, a player named Jordan Love, who is the Green Bay Packers backup quarterback sent behind Aaron Rodgers. So when Aaron Rodgers retires, then like he'll be the guy. And hopefully he'll start. It, it's looking possible that Aaron Rodgers will play his last year this year and then Jordan Love will be the, ne- you know, the guy next year. And super risky. It's like, if I were to, you know, they, they tell everyone says in investing, like the one thing you don't do is put all your eggs in one basket, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I just don't know if that's true because I've listened to Warren Buffett talk quite a bit and he has his stuff diversified now. He's so rich and he has so much money that if he put all his money in one spot, he'd just buy the whole business, right? But it's like when he talks about it when he was younger, it seemed more like he did the research, found the right company and then like poured money into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And... I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Like, you either win or you lose, but that's where I'm at with that. So I'm playing that game right now, and it's high risk, high reward. Um, So basically to answer your question, like, where am I going? I'm literally being patient right now. I'm paying my bills and stuff off of coins right now and helping lock install cabinets a little bit uh, just for, like, extra income. And then I'm going to hopefully, like, cash in on him if he's good in the next year or two. Well, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Like, it's a long time to wait to find out you're wrong, you know. <laughs> but but oh, yeah. at the same time, it's like I'm only 25. If I'm 20, even if I was 28 and like lost all my money, I'm 28. You know, I don't even fucking care. I don't care if I lost till I was 40. I don't even. It doesn't phase me like it used to. It used to bug me so bad, but now I think of it. It's actually Gary Vee. I'm sure you guys have all heard, but he's just mm. patience, patience, and it got through to me, so it doesn't bug me anymore. So if I lost till I was 35, I mean. Warren Buffett, um, my brother-in-law, John, told me one time that he wasn't a millionaire till he was 50. And I was like, that's bullshit. Like, he's a billionaire. There's no way. they Money doesn't accumulate that fast. You know, if you're just investing in companies, you didn't build an Amazon or something. But sure as hell, he wasn't. He didn't make his first million, which back then a million was a lot more. It's like $10 million now or whatever. But he didn't make his first million until he was 50. So now I'm just like, even if I didn't make my first million until I was 50, it don't matter. Right. can always start over and just build it back up. Literally. Don't, I mean, as long as it just don't matter. The only concern is having a big family. Mm-hmm. That is like, I mean, you get, I'm, I'm going to have three kids. So it's like, I have to make three grand a month. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But as long as I can make three grand a month, it don't, it shouldn't matter. That's how I think of it. So are the cards strictly sports-based cards? Yeah. Well, and why is that? It's just what I got into because I never, I wasn't like the big, I love Yu-Gi-Oh. Like when I was a kid, I had Yu-Gi-Oh cards, like, you know, and, and Pokemon is insanely popular. If you had the first edition Charizards, they're like 500,000 or whatever. But, um, I just don't know it. And I just got into sports cards and I played sports growing up. So I know more about that and everything and just how it worked out. Very cool. About how many hours a week do you spend on, like, your coins and cards and things like that? Is it, de- it like a full-time job? Or it's a more? full-time job. It's, <clears throat> here's the thing. The way that I'm doing it now, it's not as, like, back when I first got into coins, it was probably, like, eight solid good hours a day just 
cleaning them and working on them and everything and getting them graded, right? Mm-hmm. I'm playing a different game now, so it's not as much productive hours as that. It's more being fucking right on my decisions and making three good decisions a year or whatever, you know, that saying like, yeah. And so it doesn't look as productive, but so so I have more time, but I have way more at risk as far as my financial part of it. Like I have 25,000 in the Jordan love right now. So if he, if he loses, I lose all that money. So I view it a little, it's to me, it's like still, it's working actually the same way. One's a money's either, the hours that you're putting in is like the thing that's taking the sacrifice or your money is taking the sacrifice and the risk of the investment, you know? Mm-hmm. But as far as to answer your question, I probably, I don't work that much. I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I work all day, like looking at cards and everything, but I'm not sitting there like cleaning the coins all day, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that mental work is just as tiring, yeah. if, I think, if not more. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I used to view that as not working. I guess I still have some shit about it the way I talk about it. But, I mean, Warren Buffett, he just sits there and reads articles all day long about businesses and then just makes the right investment in it, you know. So mm-hmm. that's how I think about it now is it's – I used to – basically what I'm saying, I used to beat myself up about it because I thought if I'm not tired by the end of the day of working, like I didn't work hard enough. You know, and like had all these stories about how it needed to look. And if it didn't look that way, you weren't doing it the right way. And in my family, you got to work hard. You know, like that's the thing. Yep. You work hard. And if you're not a hard worker, you're a piece of shit, you know. <laughs> so it's like, so anyway, so that that's taken me a while to just be like, it's okay that I'm just sitting here. My I've, I've done what I can and I'm waiting, you know. Yeah. Work smart, not hard. Yeah. 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 The thing is, you don't want to be broken by the time you're 40 you know yeah exactly yep no 100 percent. i mean you got all these people making good money right now and i'm like how how long is that sustainable not one physically but number two happiness above fucking everything you know so it's like to me i'm pretty content right now so i can easily see me doing this to like 70 80 no problem but other people who are gonna have a midlife crisis at 30 and 40 because they're not happy they might have to start over at 40, you know? I don't know. Yep. <laughs> That's so how it, it goes. So it does excite you. Like, all gets me excited. Yeah. That little uh, <laughs> post office driving around lady is the little treasure box. That's actually that's the Christmas box, dude, every day. But You're just out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's, it's fun. But it, it, it's not like um, the – it's not – I will answer that too. Like when I was younger, I thought work was a certain way and I thought you'd just be like blitzed out all the time. I'm more mature now. So I don't want to like, if anyone younger was ever listening to this, just be like, it's just dream shit. It's like, it's real life. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's, uh, it's just, it's real. It's, I mean, it excites me, but it's also a job and everything, you know? So yeah, I'm sure there's good and bad days for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's fun when you win, but when you lose, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, we've been having a little fun with losing for sure the past <laughs> oh, year. Oh, yeah. It's been a good time. Oh, rip. What happened? <laughs> uh, let's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. No, no let, let's just say we've paid a lot of tuition this last year. Learned a lot of shit. So. Yeah, 100%. That's yep. a good mentality because yep. I could just, fuck, I'll talk all day. You guys better start Go talking over me or something. I'll just be talking. But anyway, um, Chris actually taught me a whole bunch about that. Because, you know, a lot of the 
I just don't view it the same way with the Jordan Love. Like I put twenty five grand into him, which to some people is nothing. To me, that's a lot of money. Yep. So I put a lot of my money into him. That's how I view it. If he would, if I was wrong three years ago, I probably wouldn't tell anyone. First off, because I'd be so embarrassed, and secondly, I'd beat myself up real bad because it's like, how could you lose all that money? That's stupid. Yeah. Now I view it differently. It's like I'm I'm not joking when I say this. I'm expecting to lose it all. I swear on my life. Like. If, it, if I don't lose it all, I'd be fucking surprised. And if he does good and I make a lot of money, I would be blown away. But I – I like I would still – I'm still putting money in him. I still believe in him, but I know how stuff goes. So it's like I'm – I mean anything could happen. He, he could die. He could break his ter- – tear his ACL. You know what I mean? It's like the yeah. odds that it actually works out is not that high, you know? The odds mm-hmm. that he's good, still low. So we'll see how it goes. Oh yeah. What was the conversation like telling your wife you're gonna quit your job to become a coin person? <laughs> put twenty five grand into cards. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's funny. She's super. I got lucky. She's super supportive. But the thing is, um, I was already making money when when we were dating in the very beginning. I wasn't working a job. I was doing coins. Funny story. I was working with Chris. Quit working with Chris. Doing started doing coins. Failed, didn't make enough money, tried to hire my brother Locke at $400 every other week, I think it was, which was like, I was like eight, 19 back then. or So I was like, this is badass because I used to view everything different. So I thought if I can keep him from shithole, that's like how I thought about it. Like keep, like save him from having to go through and be at a job and hate his fucking life, then I'll mm-hmm. let him be awesome, you know? So I'm like, even 800 bucks a month isn't that much, but it, it, it we could grow it or something, you know, and I could save him from it. Well, it was just all the wrong way to think about it. So that didn't work out. Lost my money, hired him too early. Honestly, looking back, it's, I didn't have the money to do that. I just, I did it for, for me, for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. For me, but, and, uh, so I failed there and then needed money. So I was like, I just need part-time money. Cause I'm, I can still make money in coins. I just need more money to fund this thing. And so I started doing door-to-door sales with Sunridge Solar, which is Joe Darger and Henry Barlow's company, and was doing all right, just like setting appointments, no big deal. And then Joe Jr. Darger came to us, and he's like, out in Rhode Island, they're literally giving away solar, like the incentives out there, insane with the government. We're going to go out there and sell it, and we're going to get you guys like, it's going to be like one year, we're going to go over and make over 100000 a year, and then we'll come back. And at that time, I'm like, that's exactly what I need. I need like $100,000, and to give away a year and then come back. We move out there. Amazing experience. Like taught me so much. Really amazing. But Maddie, like obviously I was dating Maddie at that time when I moved out. So it was like long distance relationship and everything That's going hard. on. Real hard. And so we, it ended up, she actually I got married to her because I was like, well, you know, we're serious. We'd been dating for like 11 months. And I'm like, there's no point in me not getting married so i came flew back to utah we got engaged set our vows everything went back out there and then we had our wedding when we got back but anyway she comes out with me and she was in a house full of boys just all my friends you know and just her alone no family nothing out in the middle of nowhere so she wasn't that happy and then i was getting kind of bummed out with knocking doors all the time like if you've done it pretty rough you know what i mean just keep knocking the doors it gets monotonous so I was like, all right, we're done. So we came back, and I'm trying to remember exactly. I was looking for a job. 
stayed at home for a month. This is embarrassing, but this is true. Stayed at home for like <laughs> three months. Up one of the months, I'm like, Maddie, I'm going to be a professional gamer. Don't you worry. Like, <laughs> played Overwatch for like a whole month. But I sucked, so I didn't make it. But uh, So I ended up getting a job at Popular Design Cabinets. This is actually a really cool story. And I was making 12 bucks an hour and was married. So we moved underneath my sister Caitlin and her husband Max in Lehigh was $800 a month and then we ended up having Ellie down there this is the cool story about that which I think this is really cool like how stuff works out but so I was making $12 an hour working there uh, while I was doing that and then I was trying to transition once I got good enough at selling cabinets then I would transition to commission base and then my pay would go up but at the time it was 12 bucks an hour so um, basically when we went to leave Maddie's sister, Lavender, was like, yeah, I'll take the lease from you guys because we were going to move into the place we're at right now, Uncle Max's uh, mm -hmm. little thing, and we wanted that because I had two bedrooms. Anyway, and Lavi made $14 an hour. We made 12 I had me, Maddie, and a kid that we paid for all while living there, and Lavi um, was making 14 Anyway, like, she went to move in to live there, and, like, on paper – it just it didn't work out, you know, mm -hmm. and and she had different bills and things. She had different expenses, so it was different. But it was cool to see, like we had coins as well. That's why it wasn't as bad because Maddie first off dated me when I was doing coins, and then I stopped, and then we went and did that. But also when I was not making enough in cabinets, I was making money from coins, and that's how we were living. But it's just like you don't realize. I, I never really realized what we were doing and t to everyone else it's not that cool because everyone else is doing it but to me it was cool when Lavi's like I can't take it over from you guys because I can't afford that but she was making more money than me from her job you know mm -hmm. yeah and so it was really cool that we were able to figure that out and we had help from people and everything but it's like I just heard from my parents always growing up that like it just works out you know you figure it out but mm -hmm. it was kind of one of those moments was like wow that is a pretty cool thing yeah, things do just seem to kind of work out. They do. Like, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yep, it seems like it. A lot of it's attitude, too. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, definitely Definitely viewing viewing life as more of a learning experiences versus woe is me has benefited, well, me at least. Yep, <laughs> for know? sure. Or some small stuff that just completely ruins your life. It's like you just got to, you know. Figure it out. Yeah, 100%. Dust yourself off and you keep do. going. Yep. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> exactly. Well, sheesh, if yeah. we're going to go down that path, it's like I learned a lot because I think every – I'm – like where am I going with this? But I'm just saying I think it's good to taste the bad. We all know that. Mm -hmm. But I think the best moment in my life that like changed me forever – was was when I was like if you guys would have met me when I was younger I'm sure you have you probably didn't like me because I was an asshole and I'll just say it like I just had a different view on life but I I was very ambitious and had a uh, like in some points I look back and I'm like jealous of how I saw life because I was so narcissistic I guess is the word but naive that I just thought I'm just gonna do whatever the hell I want to do and that's just how it's gonna go you know mm -hmm. but uh what happened was but it, but it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work with marriage and it doesn't work with real life. So yeah. when I got out of high school, I went and worked with my brother and I was just too young and like it wasn't how I wanted it to be. So it wasn't the right way. 
But what ended up happening at that same time, um, I was hanging out with my friends and stuff in school and like we were all not going down the best path. So I was smoking weed and stuff like this is crazy. But if you look at my 12th grade GPA, it, it's literally it's like 3.6 the first quarter, uh, like 3.2, 2.8 and like 1.5 or 2.0. I can't remember what it is, but it's like that is an exact reflection of myself. Like those numbers on that paper, you know, hmm. and so I was just, I was actually really depressed at that time working at village. I was smoking and I think smoking weed can be good for some people and whatnot. But for me, I think what happened looking back now is like, it just completely crushed the way I saw myself and the world too, but mostly myself. And it fucked me up in a lot of ways. And like, I'm so glad it happened because then I built myself back to who I am now. And it's like off principles, I think. But before it was like, I thought it was just, I don't know how I used to view the world, but I just have significant memories of like smoking with my friends and just realizing that their life was just as important as mine. And like, I was just that guy in their life. Like they're just that guy in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. just like weird shit like that, that really humbled me and, and so going off what you're saying, like perspective, I think coming out of that, I'm so glad I had that experience because it really did mess me up for quite a while. And when I got out of it, I just felt like it just seemed a lot easier. You know, it's like I'd already been through that and everyone has different experiences. And I'm sure people have been through way worse because I've had a good life, good parents, everything good, you know, but it's just crazy. Well, it always seems to be that one big thing in life that just changes Yep. Your whole fucking it's the life. Crucible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what it was for me, dude. The crucible. Hundred <laughs> percent. Phoenix. Fantastic. Yeah. Um Which well, is a perfect segue into the book. For being the honest. Phoenix? Oh yeah. Oh no, yeah, right, a, right. A Ego strategy. death kind of thing. That's true. So we'll talk just a Ego second. Death. Yeah. Shrooms. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that as well. I haven't tried them, but wouldn't recommend. <laughs> Would recommend. <laughs> I think I could. I don't know. I guess I'd have to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, a new Earth. So essentially, we'll just jump jump into it. Okay. Make it real quick. Like, let me pull this up. Um, a lot of what I got from the book was that you want to you want to kill your ego so that you can pull out what's underneath essentially mm-hmm. um and that's that was like the whole book just kept repeating the yeah. same thing you yeah. know and there's damn it's crazy kind of, there's a there's a ton of books about that but yeah. it's like okay it gave me um, a huge like monk vibe like be become a monk yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> <Be zen>. yeah. <laughs> just like for real though it like was weird that I mean, I haven't read the book, but I'm just saying I'm dead ass. Like, I think that's a huge thing because when I was on my way here, first off, I was nervous, obviously, like mm. real nervous. Everybody is. It's every- kind of like public speaking. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Like, it's scary. But um, a couple things I think I, I think I'll just get better and better at this as I get older. But I promise you when I was 18 coming here, I would have been trying to I've been trying to do things, just all sorts of things. I've been trying to do things. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas. Like, like when Jess texted me and said, Hey, do you want to be on this? I'm like, my first thought was like, this is something I, I think I need to do, you know, cause if I turn away from it, I hate running away from things. I don't want to turn away from it, but in all reality, I don't want to do it. Right. Like I right. wanted to yeah. do it, but I was scared. So I was like, I don't really want to do it anyway. 
when I started thinking like that voice in my head is like, go listen to all their podcasts, you know, like get an idea of what, what it's like, get an idea of how you need to be and all that. I swear to hell when I was 19, I wouldn't have listened to them all. I would have went and listened to them all, mm-hmm. but being a little bit like the ego thing, I think that's a big thing. It's like, if I go, if I, if my only purpose is listening to these podcasts to see how I need to be, I'm listening to the wrong reason first off, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go in being the wrong way of being, you know? Yeah. So it's just interesting. I'm just like talking out my ass, but it's like, you're just not being authentic. At yeah. That I would have been authentic. I just wanted to come in here, see what it was all about and just go for it. But if I would have had an agenda to try to push, then it wouldn't work. It would have back in the day, I would have thought it would have been badass and everyone would have loved yeah. it. And thinking about <laughs> yeah. it now, it would have sucked, you know? <laughs> well, uh, hell yeah. Yeah. You it seems like you used to be, Sorry to cut right, you no, off. No, you're good. Seems like you used to be quite the funny guy trying to mm. entertain people all the mm. time, and now you're a fucking dad. But in a good way. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. As your no, shirt says, yeah, your top shirt dad. Says, oh, yeah, hundred percent. Right, Let's go. That's good <laughs> stuff. Awesome. That's interesting to observe. Yeah. But yeah, Logan, you were saying you quite enjoyed this book. Anything particular that stood out to you? Um, it. The, the part about where he was talking about basically don't make other people's problems your problems. Just let them deal with it themselves. Oh, that's a big thing. I thought Definitely. that was very interesting. And I put that to the test even d- today dealing with <laughs> the girl that I'm talking to. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not here to solve your problems. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm just here to listen yeah. and observe from the sidelines and then let you, you deal with it. So I don't know. I, I, th- I, I thought that was interesting. The way I think about that is like, if somebody is willing to come share their problems, obviously, if it's an un, uh, in an authentic way and they actually are asking for help, not just there to complain, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be there and do what I can to help you solve your problems, but I'm not going to let it affect me and drag me down. So, you know. Right, which is hard to decipher yeah. at what point is your problem is my problem and I'm supposed to fix them. Yeah. Like, or are you just trying to bitch about it? Like, I'll help <laughs> you, but I'm not going to you know, fix it for you. Just say, am I listening or am I giving advice Exactly (laughs) to this conversation? Yeah. Uh, That's the most interesting thing I found about it. Awesome. So Um, would you guys recommend it? I'm, I'd say it's like a, yeah, wasn't, wasn't sad about it. Wasn't extremely impressed. Just me. Not life changing. Yes. No more it was earth g- changing. It's yeah. a new earth, not <laughs> a, a new, new life. <laughs> Find your passion. Well, no, of course. No. It's kind of neat him describing who you are, consciousness. He says, you are not your thoughts. You are the part of you that recognizes that you're thinking. That's yeah, that was yeah, cool. That was That's that one of the coolest part of the book for there me. Was some, yep. There was some interesting tidbits. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know but. if the tidbits in it were worth reading the book, though. Well, it seems like it could have been condensed to like 30 minutes instead of nine hours, but... I think most of the books we read can be, but you know, one way, <laughs> one way or another, <laughs> I like. We'll it have though. it linked if you guys yeah. want to listen yeah. to it. Um, it's one of those books that it's like if you got nothing else to listen to, and you you know you want to listen to just something that'll another improvement book. Yeah, exactly, yep. and kind of keep your ba- brain active. I think it's a good book for that. Yeah. So. Um, and with that, um, Mo, do you have any final advice for the listeners? Any anything you could think of, like? Even even us coming into our our phases of life where we're finding wives, things like that. What yep. can you recommend for that? Because you've got kids now, yeah. So and Sheesh. you've had them for a minute. Get so. some, he yeah. says. Get yeah. some. <laughs> yeah, go on, get it. <laughs> yeah. um, no, nah, dude. I thought about this actually. 
I how do I answer this? It's like it, advice to give. I think what I would say honestly is because so, I thought about this. I, I literally thought like, what if they asked me what is one piece like one thing? Uh, that's the one thing, right? Yeah. And I thought, hey, you know, I'm like thinking. What what would I give that's like a golden nugget, you know? And then I just thought about my own life, and it's like the one thing that seems to be tried and true above everything that I like always fall back on once I've discovered it is to just be yourself. I'm, I know it sounds cliche, <laughs> but it's like no, because it's anything true. else I – so this is um, – to give an example of it, it's like I read the David Goggins book. Can't hurt me. Yeah. Good Can't shit. Hurt me. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Amazing, dude. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Changed Animal. my life. Transformed my life for like nine weeks. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, that's so real, dude. That's but true. I'm just saying, like, it, I don't fall back on that. I don't fall back on just being a fucking savage. You know what I mean? Some people need that, and I'm not trying to take away from them, and I'm not taking away from him because he's done way more than I have. But But I don't fall back on it. I lose it and it doesn't, it doesn't seem sustainable. So the one thing that I like fall back on is just, just being yourself. I really, that's like when things get weird for me now, I don't become like a savage because it's not long-term. I can't sustain it. I can't, some people probably can, I can't. And anything where I have to become something or an, I feel like I'm adding on to myself not in a like just a true authentic way where it like grows with you, but like where I'm like that being a savage where I have to wake up and be like I'm built different or whatever, you know. It's like <laughs> I'm motivating it's like this other persona that I'm taking on to over my own. It's so cool, but I I've done that since I was just a kid, you know? Like I'd watch NFL players talk and they're like, You just have to be the hardest worker in the room or whatever, and then you're like, Yeah, and you get in for like nine weeks and then it's done, you know? But I would just say you just have to find – you have – it comes with time, I think, and I think mine will keep changing. But I think you just have to find your voice or whatever, which just comes with listening to other people's voices and realizing what doesn't work. And then once you find it, then you just got to stick with that shit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's my <laughs> tip, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Well, Love it. one more question. You said you're content with life, but yeah. are you happy? Um. I'm dead ass. This is where I'm at with that. I thought of, I've thought about that. It's like, I'm not, I'm not blitzed out at all. And I think that you can get there. I'm like, that's what my goal is to get there. But I don't put happiness on a pedestal like I used to, because it seems like an emotion. So if I was, it is an emotion like joy, they say is different. It's just kind of like a contentness and just like a blissfulness. I'm sure there's people that have found like a way better perspective on life and they're actually happy, like physically happy. I'm not there, but I don't put it on a pedestal either because unless it like grows in with me and it's true and shit, then it's like happiness isn't what my goal is anymore. You know, it's like joy. It's just contentness. All I'm looking for is just to be content. I don't need a physical feeling of happiness. But the funny thing is when you're content, all of a sudden, it's kind of happiness. You know what I mean? Yeah. When there's nothing mm -hmm. that you need to be happy and shit, then all of a sudden, you're kind of happy just sitting there. You don't need anything. So, I don't know. That's how I think of it. Oh, yeah. yeah cool. I like that. Agree. And then, uh, do you have any social medias or anything for your coins, websites that the listeners can access? I do have... Uh, 
uh, Instagram. I barely post on it. I'm terrible at social media, but that's fine. We it's, can. Uh, just if you want to get shattered out on yeah, it, yeah. If you want to get shattered out, you oh, care I about. Then. I don't mind. It's Coin Cave ninety six. Okay, Coin Cave ninety six. So Let's write that down. Yep. Okay, we'll we'll post that at the bottom too. Sweet, appreciate and, it, you guys. Yeah, and then as always, listeners, just uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, all that jazz. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts now, um, and then check out our website www.infinitysummitgroup.com, and check out our merch tab. Also, coins. Yeah, we're yes. working on those. We got some uh, got some envelopes coming. We'll uh, be sending pictures out about those later on. Okay. Yep. All right. See you guys Thank next you guys. week. Appreciate yep. you coming on, Mo. Yes, yes sir. You bet. Thank oh, you. Yeah.